Hello and welcome to the Front End Podcast. I have been lucky enough to be on the Hearts and Hands podcast recently and talk about the preview between Rangers and Oxford um, with a couple of Rangers fans. So uh, here it is. So Liam, obviously as an Oxford United fan, um, I don't know if you keep an eye on Scottish football or not, but obviously Stephen Gerrard, um, being the Rangers manager, has probably raised the profile quite significantly down south. What's your thoughts on how the season went for Rangers? Um, I think um, weighing up the last the last sort of ten fifteen years of Rangers, second is obviously something that that is. It's difficult to say. With obviously, you've got quite a heated rivalry with the champions, um, but the best of the rest is is surely a great place to be in in Scottish football. The the gap between first and second was looked to be quite significant, but then it, it did also between second and third. So it, I, I think it's a really positive season for Rangers, but I think maybe. Um, Maybe that challenge getting up to top spot is, is something that that can be looked at in the future. Uh, one thing I did notice in in looking at a lot of your stats is quite a lot of red cards. Yeah, uh, in games and a, a lot of them towards Rangers. Is is that something that that happens often, or is it just the heat of the game type thing? I think uh, well, first of all, what what I will say is um, you have been very kind towards our neighbours um, by giving them. The, the the tag the champions yes they are the champions but we don't really refer to them as as such a in a kind way there's, there's many <laughs> there's, there's many other words we could use um, <laughs> other c words maybe yeah well yes not, not broadcastable <laughs> not broadcastable put it that way <laughs> yes um, but in terms of the red cards you you probably would notice if you actually drilled down a little bit deeper in that it's um, predominantly just the one player that got most of the red cards um, which was Alfredo Morelos who is He's different. He's he's a different kind of player. Not the, the kind of player that we've been used to over the last 10, 15 years at Rangers. Actually, to be honest, um, I don't ever remember a player like Alfredo Morelos uh, in my time supporting Rangers, and I'm, I'm 29. Um, but in terms of finishing second, was it a positive? I suppose it can be... It can be spun as that because of where we've been the last six, seven, eight years. Obviously, we went all the way down to the, the lowest division that you could possibly get in the Scottish professional game. And the last two seasons being in the top league, we did finish third. And they, both those seasons were just disasters. But being a Rangers fan uh, is, is all about finishing first. If we haven't finished first, more often than not, or nine times out of ten, we are seeing it as a bit of a... don't want to say disaster, that's a bit strong, but a, a, a failure... But in this, in this instance, with the season just passed, finishing second, we can look at the positives because we did finish second and Aberdeen, who finished third, who previously finished second, I think, three or four times consecutively, we, such a, we, we finished second over them with such a quite a wide margin. Also, looking at the games against Celtic, we hadn't beat Celtic in the league in over eight, nine years, albeit we were out the league for four, four years. We managed to beat them twice this year. Not only that, we outscored them in all four games. And we, we played them at Parkhead. Uh, we were down to 10 men, as you alluded to. We, we got a lot of red cards. <laughs> um, we were down to 10 men after 30 minutes, and they were 1-0 up. We then scored in the second half through Ryan Kent. 
and we should have won that day, but Celtic Celtic uh, stole it at the end with a, a 85th minute goal. But they were very lucky that day. So if you look at that point of view, um, games against Celtic and being more consistent, we had a we had a spell between February and March where things things didn't go well at all. To be honest, um, I think in March itself we went four or five games without a win which completely derailed the whole momentum that we seem to have built up at New Year after beating Celtic at Ibrox, where we went level on points with them. But overall, it was a positive season. I'd like to look at that the season just gone by there from a Rangers point of view as a, as a foundation being laid to greater things in the future. We now have a team that doesn't need ripped up um, which has happened the last three, four seasons where there's been wholesale changes that we don't need that anymore. We actually expect a lot more players to leave than come in, which is going to be different because we've we've signed like 10, 11 players per season and not that many has been out. Whereas this, this close season, I'm expecting a lot more players to leave than will come in. So we've got a settled side, we've got a spine, we just need to we just need to add some quality. James, I don't know if you would agree with that um, summary, but that, that's that's how I feel. I think the the thing for Rangers fans right now, Liam, is we we won't all be universally happy until we've won the league again. That's that's just a fact. So I don't think we can look back on a season where we finished second and say that's a positive. What we can look back on and say that was a positive is how different we are playing now under Steven Gerrard. Now the, the Gerrard factor has been huge for Rangers fans for just Rangers as a club since he's come in it's just added so much more to kind of us feeling like we're back to to where we are we won't fully be back there until we have won the league but what we've seen from Jared in his first season as a manager is a much more uh much more attacking playing style um compared to what we've had previous you know managers where to be honest, they've been frauds in comparison to kind of what we expect as as Rangers managers, what we are used to with your Walter Smiths and Alex McLeish and Dick Advocat, uh, Graham Souness, you know, going back all, all those years. So we can feel a bit more positive about that. We do have more of a a, a much improved recruitment structure now. We have a director of football in Mark Allen, formerly of Manchester City, who is really, you know, turning things around both in terms of the scouting department and also looking into youth development. And that's something that we've really seen an improvement on as well. So there are a lot of things improving, but we're not there yet. What we want now is the league, trophies, big shiny things that we can lift up in the air and get absolutely bloated uh, afterward, which bloated for any English listeners who might not know what that word is. <laughs> oh, oh. Off your face drunk, essentially, right? That's that's what we're after. We're after that. And when, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when that happens, and it will be sooner rather than later, it's going to, Glasgow will be in the news a lot. It's going to be, you, you thought Manchester was bad, just wait and see. <laughs> um, well, I, I suppose from looking at it from an outside, outsider's point of view, in that time that Rangers got dropped down the, the divisions and had to work their way back up, because Celtic have have had almost free reign, they've been able to 
to just dominate whilst you guys are, are, are catching back up. So jumping from fourth to third to second is is huge. Um, and I think, well, one of the questions I was going to ask is, has the actual standard of football been better this season? And you've, you've already said yes with that. Um, sort of a more attractive style. And I guess you've... Um, you've stopped having teams. I listened to one of your podcasts the other day, um, just turn up to park the bus and play ugly football and time waste and do everything they can to get a draw and then end up somehow snatching a win, yeah. um, which, which we had, we went down to the conference. We had that for four years um, in the conference. And then because we've got a big fan base in, in a lot of the leagues um, as, as we come up, you, you come against a side with a, a smaller budget, and and they are just there to kind of spoil the game. So now you're back back in the Premiership. Are you seeing a more expansive game? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what what you des- what you described there with teams coming to park the bus and trying to snatch a draw or a win is exactly how I would say ten nine well nine nine teams out of the twelve in the Scottish Premier League or the Scottish Premiership. That's how they play. Rangers and Celtic don't play like that, um, and the only other one, believe it or not, that doesn't play like that, I would say is, I don't know if you've heard of them, but Hamilton Ackies, their, their manager, Brian Rice, wants to play an, an attacking style of play, which which cost them really badly, to be fair, against us. Um, we, we, we smashed them 5-0 because of the style of play that he wanted to play, but every other team uh, just seems to have a very horrible style of play, and actually, what I will say is, one of your fellow Englishmen, Paul Heckenbottom. Since he's come in at Hibs, he's done... It's Paul Heckenbottom, that's his name, isn't it, James? That's yep. right. Uh, he, he, he's, he wants to play a, 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 a nice style of play. He's been a breath of fresh air in the Scottish game, actually. Um, so I, I wouldn't put Hibs in that, Hibernian in that category of wanting to park the bus. But everyone else, I would say, that's exactly how they, they like to play. And to be honest with you, um, that's where Stephen Gerrard struggled for the first four or five months, maybe even a little bit longer, he couldn't find a way to beat these teams convincingly and consistently. He would, Rangers would fall into their trap of their time-wasting tactics, of their defensive tactics, of the high, of, of going long with the ball, and you've got these guys who are six foot five at the back and eating up these balls all day long, and there's nothing we can do about it, um, simply because... We are playing into their hands, whereas towards the, the end of the season, certainly the last two months of the season, you've seen us playing through teams a lot more, and they, they couldn't handle us. We, we weren't going out wide, we weren't flinging balls in the box for defenders to eat up, and that gave these other teams a problem, because then they're thinking, right, shit, what are we going to do? Our defensive tactics aren't going to work against them now. And that's, I feel as if every team in the, in the Scottish League is going to be thinking that going into this new season. Rangers now know how to how to beat us, um, and that 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 will be that will be interesting to see how they they respond. But when you're with Rangers, we were always brought up as Rangers fans to not worry about how the opposition play. It's all about how Rangers play, and and I firmly believe that. But it'd be interesting to hear what James has got to say about it because I I, I certainly believe what I'm saying is true. But I may have been harsh on some teams that I can't really think of. But certainly from my point of view. Only Rangers, Celtic, Hamilton, and Hibs are the only teams—the only teams that actually try and actively look to win football matches. James, 
you have to remember the mentality of football clubs and football fans in this country out with you know the the old firm is one of if we can get a point or a win against one of these sides in our season no matter when it is that's going to be one of the highlights of our season mm. so they will do whatever they can in order to achieve that and for a lot of teams, because they don't have the same resources, they have to resort to this 10 men behind the ball, lump it up to the one big guy and see if it sticks. It, it's, not, it's not good to watch from a, from a neutral point of view. And the game as a whole suffers in this country because when these teams then play each other, they're so used to that mindset that you then have two teams that are playing this same tactic and it becomes dull and a dire and dross affair, which is why it probably, you know, the game in this country has that reputation. So I don't think what Chris said there was was harsh at all. I, I think it it changes, you know, depending on the manager, you know, Hibbs beforehand, very much known as a behind get men behind the ball kind of side. Uh, but with Heckenbottom that that's changed. Hamilton, that's all they could do. But they've got a manager who seems a bit more bold to just try it. And if it works, great. If not, oh well. Because you know, our expectations are, are, are much lower. But when, as a Rangers fan, when you're watching that, what you then hope for is we're not, we not fans that demand a certain style. We're not, you know, a ticky-tack. It has to be, you know, play the ball on the deck. And, you know, you, you know not, like, not like Barcelona or anything like that. Our mentality is win and win at whatever cost. And if that means we have to fight fire with fire, then we do that uh, so long as we get the result. So that, that's, that's always been our mentality. And I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, personally. No, you're absolutely right, James. Liam, from, from your point of view, has the Scottish game, has the profile of the Scottish game risen enough for you to pay attention because of the Gerard effect? Um, well, I've I've kind of kept an eye out for for a few years because I, I used to love watching Equestrian a Sport and used to love Ali McCoy on it. <laughs> so <laughs> that that kind of got me interested in in watching a bit. To be honest, the Championship I think interrupts being able to watch a lot of the Scottish games. Um, yes, it's more in in the news. Um, but if Sky Sports has the option to either show a championship game or a Scottish game, it will choose the, the championship game. Yeah. Uh, and it does that. It does that throughout. I think they, they've got their favourites. They've got their thing, their thing that they do, their formula they do. They obviously make a lot of money from it. I think it's like seven or eight years since Manu were in the FA Cup and didn't get shown uh, on, on Sky. And you're like, well, that, or, or BBC or whatever it's being shown on. Um, and they've, they will show the teams they know will, will get results. When, when Burton were in the championship, they weren't shown. But, you know, how many times has Sheffield United been on this year? And uh, I've sort of gone off at a tangent there, but I think, I think it's to make my point. Um, it's, it's quite difficult to, to view the games. Um, I think a lot of Liverpool fans will see what Steven Gerrard's doing because... They, in the long run, would love him to be at Liverpool, but obviously Klopp's there for a while and yeah. been successful there. Um, and there was always, when they were playing Lampard or Gerrard, who's better? 
they both go into management and and you know we're curious as to who's got the better footballing mind um and and thus far i think gerard edges that um i think coming second in <laughs> in a top flight is uh, and as you say overcoming um some obstacles is a, a bigger feat than than getting to the playoffs um so well, yeah i I think it, it has put it more in the news, but not necessarily viewing the games. Yeah. Well, one thing that we didn't actually uh, touch upon that, that both me and James have forgot is Stephen Gerrard negotiated four qualifying rounds in Europe to get us into the group stages of the Europa League, which was an absolutely astounding achievement. No one at Rangers, and as we explained to you at the start of the, of the recording, um, how how high the expectations are at Rangers were first is everything and second is nothing. That That is genuinely how Rangers fans view a, a, a season when they're looking back. But European football was in no one's mind this year because I don't want to say we didn't care. That that, that wouldn't be the, 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 great, the, the greatest terminology to use, but it's because we just simply did not expect it. You have to remember... The season before Gerard came in under Pedro Kick Senior, we get put out by the fourth best team in Luxembourg. That that was just one of the most embarrassing results in Rangers history ever. Not recent history, ever. To get beat off the fourth best team in Luxembourg and to twelve months later negotiate um four qualifying rounds against Skupi of Macedonia, Maribor of Slovenia, um Osijek of Croatia and Ufa of Russia, to then go on and play Spartak Moscow, Villarreal and Rapid Vienna. Well, Villarreal didn't beat us at all. We drew two each over in Spain and 0-0 at Ibrox. We should have beat Spartak Moscow away. We, we, we were in the lead three times and we somehow managed to fling the game away 4-3. We beat Rapid Vienna 3-1 at Ibrox and Rapid Vienna then went on to qualify out the group. I think we finished third in the group. That, that to me... I'd be interested to hear what yourself, Liam and James, actually think about this. But that, to me, is a bigger achievement than qualifying for the playoffs in the championship with Derby. I, I don't know if I'm if I'm being blinkered, if I'm looking through kind of my Rangers tinted glasses here. But that's why I think Stephen Gerrard's edged it this year over Frank Lampard for having a better season. Well, well what think, do you guys? Um, I think that. You can look at it. You can look at it one of two ways. The, I think the biggest difference is, as you said, oh, we've got those games to get through in order to qualify. You just sort of don't expect to. No. Um, whereas, as soon as you get into the playoffs, each of those four teams think, "Ah, oh, we're going to go up. We're going to do this," and you get that expectation built on you. Um, and so you could look at it as, well, the lack of expectation takes off the pressure. Or given the expectation, you get the pressure. But realistically, Derby are a big enough side to be to be winning the playoffs. Mm. Um, obviously, they came up against Villa, who are also a, a huge side. Um, but then Rangers, in the same in the same vein, came up against huge teams <laughs> because they're qualifying for Europe. Of course, they're big teams. Um, yeah, such a big feat, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think Europe is is so many teams' ambition. Like, what an away day for fans, if nothing else. Yeah, that's true. James, what's what's your thoughts? I, so, Europe was massive for you know the fans and and to get to get the club back. 
back to that level really helped with our coefficient, which as, as we're learning going into this season, it, it does drastically change, you know, the kind of teams that you're going to be drawn against um, from last year to this year, particularly thinking ahead to the, the second round, the, the quality of opponent this will be significantly less than what we had before. So that expectation will start to rise. But, you know, to, to finally have those group stage European nights at Ibrox again, uh, that that was massive. That was huge. I think that goes down as Steven Gerrard's best achievement for mm. you know, Rangers last season to be able to get get us into the group stage. And, and really from there, the, there was no expectation. You're right, Liam. There was no sense of, right, we, we should be qualifying at this group. The fact that we came away from those six games and just missed out on qualifying for the, the last 32 and fans were looking at and actually felt a bit disappointed about it, I think really spoke volumes for how well that you know, we, we did in, in that group. It was a couple of daft performances, <laughs> um, particularly against Spartak Moscow, that, that really that really done us in that. And, and that, from where we were a couple of seasons prior to that point, it's, it's a massive, massive jump. And I think the, the important thing to stress here is for many clubs, that rise, that, that sudden kind of boost of, oh my goodness, we're, we're playing at this level, look where we were not that long ago, that would be, you know, fans would just be kind of happy to be there and it wouldn't matter what was happening kind of within within those games. For Rangers fans, oh, no, no, no. We we want to win those games. We, we want to be able to get out of the group and that's our expectation. Now, you know, we, we, there's so many Rangers fans who now are kind of looking at Europa League and saying, we did it last season, so we should be doing it again this season. We should be getting into the group stage again. Even though, and I'm not sure it's ever really been done before, we would have to, for the second season in a row, get through four qualifying rounds. And that is that is the reason why I, I also think that that achievement probably trumps the achievement of getting a, a, a team like Derby into the playoffs because... It is so many games, and you know you have to be so lucky with with the draws that you're that you're getting in order to reach, you know, the group stage, and also have to play well on top of that. And that's not to take away any any achievement for any team to get into the playoffs, either in the championship or League One or League Two, but because it's so intense at that point, and the way that Steven Gerrard managed that situation, I think what you're seeing is someone who was destined to become a manager, is plying his trade at Rangers, is learning as he goes, things that he was doing at the start of the season, which fans were not happy about, but he's learned over that season to get better at that, and we feel much more you know, confident that this season coming up, he's going to take those lessons and, and use them. It's it's all very exciting up Govan Way. Yes, as indeed. Um, but that's 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 enough about Rangers' season just passed. Let's let's talk about Oxford. <coughs> now, um, he's finished twelfth last year, uh, which he was thirteen points off the playoff. He's got to round three of the League Cup, 
um, or the English League Cup. He's got to round three of the FA Cup, get put out of, put out by uh, Manchester City, and I believe he's got to the quarterfinals of the. Is it the Checker Trade Cup? Is that what it's called? Start of uh, Johnson yeah, Paint Trophies. There's a <laughs> there's a lot to do with that competition uh, because it's yeah it, there's a B team boycott um, so not many fans go to those games but obviously right. there is a trip to Wembley at the end of it if you do yeah. get to the final so yeah um, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a tough one, that. now to me I I I don't know about James we we haven't discussed this so it's basically I'm going to give my opinion and James will give his and and obviously you can correct us <laughs> for for way <laughs> off the mark um. To me, I think, looking at it, um, you don't have the biggest squad. Uh, I, I think you've had a pretty decent season. I, I really do. I mean, the, the names that stick out to me, uh, the two names that stuck out to me in your squad that, that, that were playing these last year was Jamie Mackey and Scott Shearer, for obvious reasons. Both um, Jamie Mackey's a, a Scottish internationalist and Scott Shearer's had a... A decent career down south in, in uh, the lower level. Um, I don't think he ever got up to the championship level uh, as a player. Um, but with Jamie Mackey, he, he, he was obviously a good player to be QPR and he scored uh, the day that Manchester City won the league where QPR almost spoiled the party. But to me, I, I think he's had a pretty decent season, as I said. I don't know your budget. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's had any suspensions and injuries that kind of cost you at, at, at times. But he's he's done pretty well in terms of the teams he's finished above. One of the teams that he did finish above was obviously Shrewsbury, where we we as Rangers fans had a, a, an interest in their season uh, because of Greg Doherty. Um, and, you know, I think if, if we're following Shrewsbury every week, who didn't have a great season, um, but Greg Doherty's had a storming season, yet you are, what, eight, nine positions above them. That's basically where I'm getting it from. So, I, again, <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might be completely wrong, but that, that's that's my feelings on it. Am I, am I way off the mark? Am I, am I around the ballpark? No, you um, you definitely got a few bits right. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the players. Um, Scott Shearer... Um, <laughs> I think was just kind of there for morale. <laughs> yeah. On uh, the first home game of the season, our, our number one keeper, Simon Eastwood, um, broke his finger to the point where his, his bone was sticking out of the finger. Um, so it was quite a nasty one. And instead of putting Scott Shearer in, uh, he, he played that one game. But they got a, a player in on loan from Derby, funnily enough, <laughs> who we've just been talking about. Um, instead of using one of our youngsters or using Scott Shearer. So I don't know if... Um, he said that the youngster wasn't ready, Jack Stevens wasn't ready. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know if Scott Shearer is just there for morale because he seems like the joker of the pack. I think um, I think that's his career, honestly. I think that's his <laughs> career. He's just, um, he's, some keepers are just number twos yeah. or, or number threes. And I think that's what he's done most of his career. It's just, when I seen the name, I just remember, it just stuck, stuck out with me because um, I'd obviously... I, I I don't know of him because I followed his career. I just know that he's Scottish. But so, some other names, um, Tony McMahon, the right back that used to yeah. play with Middlesbrough. I don't know if he played a big part in your 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 season. He started. Uh, he started to, but then got homesick, so moved back he up get, north. He got um, homesick. Yeah, so he That's wanted ridiculous. to move back up um, towards Yorkshire. 
um, so that he could be closer to his family. Obviously, you you can't compete with that. No, <laughs> everyone no. wants to be close to their family. That's fine. Um, in terms of Jamie Mackey, um, if you find a picture without a bandage on his head from any games this season, it's probably worth a fortune. He just <laughs> he just puts everything into everything, and you know there was a, always a blood shirt ready <laughs> whenever mm. he was playing. Um, and for a guy of his age, too, we we went to sort of through January with with only one striker fit, um, and and he was playing every game, you know sometimes Saturday, Tuesday. Um, and and you could see that he was knackered by sort of the 30-minute the mark because he was going for everything. <laughs> but he'll push everything into it. And he was he was definitely a highlight of the season. Um, you mentioned injuries and suspensions. Obviously, uh, Simon Eastwood, I, I mentioned, uh, we've got a, an awesome winger called Robbie Hall whose um, career has been kind of littered with injury. He got quite a nasty one. We got... Ricky Holmes in on loan, who's done so much in sort of uh, Championship League One, League Two, but he was injured for most of the time with us. We've got Samir Carruthers, um, a good quality Championship player. He was injured um, pretty much the whole time. I think he played um, two, two, maybe three games for us. Mm. Um, so we didn't have the best luck with injury. Um, and, and I think we've got a manager who not all Oxford fans like. Um, right. I don't think it's down to his tactics. Um, I think it's, well, it, it basically a lot of it comes down to he wears his heart on his sleeve and he doesn't think things through before saying them. So after the game, it's like having an interview with a fan where he'll just come out with these ridiculous stats that are, are made up <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but towards the end of the season, once we had a full squad and we, we had subs to pick from, that's when we came into our own. So we spent most of the season down in the relegation zone um, and creating a fair few chances, but not putting them away. And then with the last sort of 15 games, we just went on this incredible run. Once we were able to put attacking players on the bench and not just um, people from our development side, defenders from our development side, um, putting these good quality players on the bench, all of a sudden we're winning games and he'll make a sub and those subs will be the right call and it, it will be um, a more exciting game and he'll win it tactically. Um, I, I think that kind of sums up our season. We needed the full squad. Um, so we had a top eight budget. So before the season, 12th we'd have you know, not been buzzing about. But having spent uh, a lot of the season in and around the relegation zone, I think the the running at the end when the pressure was off, um, it was it was quite fun to watch. Uh, League One last year was quite an odd one because I think it was with eleven games to go, um, mm. anyone below twelfth could have been relegated, uh, and there were only five or six points in it. Um, so it was really exciting, and as soon as we were safe, <laughs> it was really exciting to watch. But whilst you're in it, it's obviously uh, not as fun. James, what's, what's your thoughts on Oxford season just passed? So it's interesting. I'm kind of looking at all, all the stats and whatnot, and my general impression of where Oxford United are as, as a football club, I, I feel that that's, that's a season that Oxford fans should probably feel quite content about because I, I can't imagine them being any higher. I, 
I'm trying to imagine Oxford United as a championship club, for example, and I just can't do that. And I think that's down to, A, the fact that you only have three stands. And yes, I know, Liam, that that's something you take pride in, but that <laughs> hurts my OCD as a football fan. Um, I've got to deal with that a lot in Scotland. I would think that in England you'd have that sorted, but sadly not, but there you are. Um, you mentioned Carl Robinson, there, your manager who... You know, fans seem a bit wary of, and I get that because I remember he came through because it was it was NK Dons where he kind of made his name and people yeah. were talking about him, and he was quite one of these kind of young managers. And really, there was a point where he just kind of faded out. And it's interesting to note, based on what you're saying, that it seems to be he's not kicked on. But what's most fascinating to me, and this is something I'd really like your opinion on, is your board because. Oxford United, in, in my eyes, it would be you know a local local lad done good, who comes in you know ha- has a bit of money behind them and take over. Now I'm glad it's me that's going to mention this man and not Chris because I get the feeling that if Chris tried to pronounce it, he would probably just <laughs> Tiger. On... We'll just call him Tiger. <laughs> you call him Tiger. His birth name is Sumrith Thanakan Jansuth. Thanakan Janasuth, that's what I'm, that's what I'm after. Sumrith Thanakan Janasuth. So uh, that suggests to me there's a bit of money behind there. What is even more suggested, though, the name that I'm, I'm really noticing is Eric Tohir, who is yeah. one of the directors. Now, that name really stands out as he was a former owner of Inter Milan. So is there money going into Oxford and... On that basis, are the expectations maybe higher than what I'm potentially projecting? Well, I think um, I think I can address a few things in in answering that. Uh, firstly, free stands. Yeah, I I wouldn't say we're proud of it, but with the Fence End podcast name, it's us just trying to take ownership because we've we've had enough of fans chanting, "You've only got three stands," <laughs> so we thought oh, we'll call ourselves the Fence End podcast. Has there ever, so Liam, has there ever has there ever been any chat of actually getting a four stand or is that just out of the question um there is a can of worms there so the uh the ground uh, we used to have a lovely ground called the manor it was very homely and it was a very sort of um community built um club um an owner came in um buying the the club and with it the stadium sold off the stadium to build houses built this new stadium and whilst it's being built um, only built the three stands, designed four, but only built the three. We moved into that. There was always going to be a fourth stand built. It's obviously not happened. In the meantime, he sold the club. Um, so whilst he owns it, absolutely not. Um, and we've got, I think last season it was seven years left on the lease. So six years left uh, in which we are looking through several options in terms of building a new stadium, buying the current stadium and therefore building the fourth stand um and and sort of where to go with it so yes absolutely we would love a fourth stand it 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 unfortunately means unless it's a big game there's no atmosphere at all um and if we're playing our rivals uh or uh like in 2015-16 16 season we played um a premiership side and not them out in the fa cup the atmosphere was absolutely buzzing. We got promoted. We uh, made our way to Wembley in the, it was the JPT then, but it's the checker trade now. Um, 
we we beat our, our local rivals each time we played them um and it was it was an incredible atmosphere in those games but unfortunately it's a breeze block unless you've got a, a purpose for it to be a big game the the open end means you lose all the atmosphere so we desperately want fourth stand and uh, and we'll see what happens there um in terms of the board coming in basically um i don't know how long sort of English football has been accessible to you guys. But back in the 80s, Oxford were a top flight team, um, won the League Cup uh, back in the day and would have qualified for Europe. But it was in the in the year that Liverpool fans got got us banned. So unfortunately, or oh, five years that we were banned for. Wasn't it? Can, can I just say, Liam, we benefited massively from that. <laughs> Excellent. Good for you. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, we we were a big team, uh, and unfortunately, we fizzled back through the year uh, through the leagues. And because we've still got quite a big fan base, um, Tiger has sort of seen the opportunity in the fact that Oxford, as a city, is a global brand. He says that all the time because of the university. Everyone in the world has heard of, of Oxford, so let's piggyback off that to see what we can do for the football. Um, when he came in. He was kind of open about the fact that he wasn't the wealthiest man, but he knows lots of people who are. Um, and they sort of said, if you can prove you're going in the right direction, we'll back you. And then at the end of this season, Eric for here comes in. Um, all, all these different names. I think the one who's worth the least is worth about 100 million. Um, whether they'll put that money into the club, we'll see. But I think the most exciting thing is from the from the Inter Milan point of view, um, and he's also owned baseball clubs and football clubs out in America and um, all sorts of different sports. He has gone into places that need a new home <laughs> and built a new home for them. The one he didn't do that for was in Milan because he couldn't get permission to build them their own stadium. So they're, they're still at San, St- San Siro. So I'm I'm excited by their input. And they proved that, you know, them coming on board has proved that they think we are going in the right direction. They like our fan base and they like the club. But it's it's how much they're willing to put in. Um, unfortunately, they've already, well, I say unfortunately, this year's budget will be slightly less than last year's. But last year we had five or six players at the beginning of the season from the previous manager who were on stupid money. And they're now not on our books. So if that money can be reinvested in a in a more sensible way, uh, they they just keep on talking about we need to be more we need to run it as a business. We can't just throw money at players and go let's get these players in. Let's smash out a huge playing budget. They've built a good um, training facility. They've built um, an under twenty three development side. They've really invested in the women's team, in the uh, schoolboy teams, the under sixteens, the under eighteens. And, uh, yeah, I think they're building foundations to make things bigger. So, yes, I think the money's there, and I hope it, it grows from that. If I may just come in, actually, because there's two players that uh, have been on your books or currently are on your books, I'm not quite certain, that I just wanted to ask you about. First of all, Curtis Nelson, your defender, yeah. uh, moved from Plymouth. How how has he been for, for you? And is, that would have been... Three seasons that he's been with you now. Yeah, he uh, is. He's a cracking player. Um, he uh, is a very 
old head on on youngish shoulders. I think he was captain of Plymouth at seventeen, so you know he's he's got so much experience and had to step up to the plate very early on. Uh, he's a very good defender. Uh, unfortunately, from our point of view, he has the potential to play higher and knows that. And so, yeah, it, it looks like he's elsewhere. Is he linked with you guys? Um, well, he has linked with us in the past, which is why I wanted to ask and see, you know, how how that may be going. And it is it is a market that we we might want to look at in terms of that level, especially if there's a guy that that has that experience. It would be interesting to see the other player. This is more really for me rather than any in a Rangers context. Malachi Napa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Um, Not good. What's the verdict? He he has the potential to be incredible. Um, he started um, started playing really well and then got a really bad injury. And just as he was coming through that injury, um, got quite a bad illness, uh, which basically left him bedridden for months. Um, so he's had to really rebuild his fitness. But it's sort of quite exciting to see what will come from that. Um, Robinson compared him to um, Luckman from from his childhood days, who obviously went to Everton and then ended up playing in Bundesliga. Uh, and and yeah, as a young as a young player, he's got pace. He's always smiling and happy to be playing. Um, so I think he's got a big future as long as as long as he can recover from that illness. Um, I've also seen you guys linked with um, Marcus Brown. Um, who, who played for us on loan last season? Uh, he he's a great player. Um, he has a bit of a temper, and every so often that flares up. But on the whole, he would be he would be a cracking signing if you can get hold of him. Ha- I was about to say him and Morelos would get on well. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a for that. I I asked about Napa because he was absolutely terrible for me in Football Manager, but I feel harsh <laughs> for saying. Now, having said you said what you said there, so I apologise, Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> so, would would you say, Liam, uh, you were happy, satisfied, disappointed in the season just gone by? Um, I would say I'm happy with it. We had some, you know, every season. If you if you look at the negatives, we were three 0 up away from home, and uh, and and you think at that point it was sixty minutes on the clock brilliant, we've won this game, we've smashed them, and 66 minutes, it's 3 all. You, you focus on those games <laughs> and you get yeah. But um, we've got a... Uh, it's not a local rivalry, but Wickham are, are quite a close side to us geographically, so it always gets a big crowd. They were playing some some sort of anti-football when they came to us. one all in the 94th minute, our left-back pops up and scores an absolute scorcher. So you, you focus on those ones, you've had a great season, and I think all in all, we spent most of the season going, can't we just be safe? And, you know, we are. So I'm, I'm relatively happy with it. Well, one thing that I do want to ask you about, well, it's, it's several things, actually. There's, there's three players that, well, two players in particular that, that would have come up against you, you guys last season. And there's, there's one player who's playing in a, a level below who, at the time of recording, is on the verge of signing for Rangers, and, and that's George Edmondson. But first of all, Greg Doherty, he is a Rangers player. Um, he was on loan at Shrewsbury, as as I, as I mentioned earlier. Um, do you have any recollect any recollection of how he was against you guys, or was he a standout in the division? Um, I don't think he stood out in the division so much. Um, 
see, can I just can I just say but it's it's interesting from our perspective and again this might be because we are Rangers fans and he is our player, but everything we everything we were hearing is he was one of the best players in, in the league last year. Um yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's the case. I'm I'm just asking from your point of view. Obviously, you obviously, you, you know the league like better than us. <laughs> we um, from from knowing the league in general, you you can get an idea of who's playing well and and whatever. But we obviously only played Shrewsbury twice, <laughs> so true, if yeah. if that was a, a standout game for him, then. Um, then I'd have noticed him, but he could have just had an off day, or he could have been injured. Uh, he just he doesn't necessarily spring to mind. Um, I mean, he, from the name, he's scored a fair few, I think. Um, yeah, and I think that was quite goals, which from midfield is is fairly good. I think that was quite surprising from uh, the Rangers fans' point of view because it, it wasn't really known as a, a goal scorer midfielder with Hamilton and indeed Rangers because he, he hasn't actually scored for Rangers yet um, in a competitive game. And so our perception of the season he just had at Shrewsbury may be because of the amount of goals he got. Uh, he's also a, a young player, so sort of learning his trade. Um, yeah. Do you know if they played him in the same position as, as you guys do? That's probably one for James. Well, thanks, Chris. Um <sighs> Greg Doherty's seen as a box-to-box midfielder. He when when he played for Rangers the second half of the 17-18 season, he was used as a as a deeper midfielder, as one of a two kind of holding midfielder. And that didn't feel like the right position for me. So in my eyes, I would see him as a kind of number eight, you know, but can you know run up and down the field, loads of energy, very strong physical player. And from what I've seen of him at Shrewsbury in terms of highlights and whatnot, I get the feeling that that's where he was utilised over the course of the season, someone that was in the middle of the park but would make runs into into the area. And obviously, you know, YouTube highlights or, or highlights of games don't necessarily give the full picture, but certainly from what we've seen in highlights, especially at the start of the season, it looked like he was certainly one of the stronger players in, in that part of the league. Maybe not necessarily the whole league, but certainly that section where Shrewsbury were. Well, he got Player of the Year, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Yes, I think he got about four or five awards with Shrewsbury. In all honesty. <laughs> so um, I guess he just didn't didn't necessarily shine in that game, or I was so disappointed with with what with whatever happened in that game, <laughs> I may have just um, erased it from my from my mind. One. Um, who was the other player that you're interested in? Well, this this player, I'm, I'm hoping that you give us a, a glowing report for. Um, he's reportedly on the verge of signing for us. Well, there's actually reports saying it's done. Uh, we're just waiting for his contract to expire at Charlton, um, and it should be announced by Friday. It's Joe Aribo. Now, I'll be honest. I'll I'll, I'll say this first. I didn't. I've never heard of. I had never heard of the guy, and. Um, I was aware that he scored in the playoff final. I think he got the winner. Um, I may be wrong there, but I'm sure I'm sure that's correct. So I asked about, um, especially within within Heart and Hand, uh, the the other podcasters who do follow um, English football probably more than more than I do, and 
it was just this guy is sensational. Like this would be a fantastic signing for Rangers. And I will be honest, I'm very, very excited to get this deal over the line. Having never seen him play, which is quite odd. It's just one of the ones where you never hear anything negative about a player. It's just all positive, and you just want the deal done and dusted so that you can see he's a Rangers player and just look forward to watching him play at Ibrox. Now, you could absolutely rain on my parade here and say that he was a terrible player, which I hope you don't, but um, what, what's what's your thoughts on, on Joe Aribo? Yeah, he's useless. Uh, no, he's, <laughs> he's absolutely incredible. Um, we played um, Charlton towards the end of the season and um, we actually won, won the game, but just throughout it, every time he got the ball, you just knew something could happen. Um, and by sort of the 20th minute, I'd said... If we can get hold of their number 17 in closed season, I'll be a happy guy. Let's hope Charlton go up <laughs> so that they get him off his books and we'll put in a bid. Because um, obviously Robinson being at Charlton has a few connections there. It looks like we're about to sign um, Fosu from them. Um, but obviously, you know, if, if he got, gets the chance to go to you guys, he's, he's you know, going to be in a, a top flight somewhere. He, um, I think it'd be a fool not to, not to go. Um, he he was brilliant. He just him and Lyle Taylor just worked together so well. Um, and yeah, as I said, every time he got the ball, just something could happen. And it wasn't always he whips it into the box. He'd take players on. He'd use his pace. He'd use his skill. He'd use his his crossing ability. And he would mix it up. Um, and yeah, I'm very jealous. If you get him, that's a, a cracking signing. Would would you say it was? If I was to give you a top five without naming the five players, would you say you'd be in the top five players in that in that league? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I, I would personally say, um, I um, I'm a season ticket holder, so I, I see a fair few, <laughs> fair few games. But he just shone in that game. He was he was really stand out. Exciting stuff, James. Really hope we actually get him now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but and then it's like, no, nah, he's staying at Charlton. Um, the, the, so, so, sorry, James, but we should let Liam know that there, there is um, the the deal hasn't been announced yet, but there is interest from the evil side of Glasgow Celtic. They they are they are interested. So that, I've, heard, I've heard Chris that they've made a magnificent offer for him. Yeah, we'll we'll go on to that later when we talk about a potential signing for Oxford. But no, it's. We are a bit nervous talking about it because this could come back and bite us in the, in the bum. But no, it is exciting, James, if we get him. Yeah, yeah that's a quite a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> you <laughs> put something out there and, you, yeah, it, sometimes it's out before you can edit it out. <laughs> that's true. Um, we've but, actually been linked to a couple of players from the Scots Premiership. So can I ask you about them? Yes. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, they're both from Motherwell, who you didn't say were a stand outside. Um, but... Cadden and Gorin. Uh, I'll let James. Uh, I'll let James answer um, both. Uh, in terms of Cadden, I could give me. I could give you a, a, a glowing report for Chris Cadden. To be fair, but the other guy, I have absolutely no idea who he is, and that's saying something. I um, think he's Alex Gorin Rodriguez. No, I, I just I don't know, James. Have you <laughs> heard, James? Can you help me here? I, I shall endeavour to do my best. <laughs> First of all, Chris Chris Cadden, I think that's, I think this is quite a good signing. Yes, it's, yes. It's a guy who, not long ago, Rangers fans would have been very happy if we brought him in. Um, 
I think he it was in need of a change because the way that Motherwell typically like to play is not a style that suits Chris Cadden. He's a he's someone who's comfortable on the right hand side, uh, either as a as a wing back or you know maybe maybe slightly further up. Um, yeah, I think I think he'll do very well for you. Um, he's he's good. He's got good speed. He's got good delivery, uh, and I think it's it's the right move for him to develop. On Goran, it's my my recollection. Unless I'm thinking of someone different, uh, he was he was brought in as someone who'd play in the middle of the park that that could maybe give Motherwell a bit something different from what they're used to. They're they're basically goalkeeper hoof it up to the big guy and and get the effect going from there. Goran was supposed to be someone who maybe had a bit of a bit more a bit more style about him, a bit more of a kind of pass on him. This is a guy who has actually been in England before. He was he was in the youth setup at Sunderland um before moving to New Zealand to play in the A League with Wellington and really hasn't done much with his career since then. Not a standout in the Motherwell team. Not a, not a key player. Uh, there was a lot more players that really stood out for Motherwell. Uh, Cadden would probably be one of them. Um, so if you get him in, you're getting a central midfielder who... Bit more you know, player, maybe. Yeah, as a, a, a guy who will, it will feature in parts. The fact you play 46 games, I think, you know, says a lot about what, what you're going to get from him. He's someone who's, who's going to play his part. But I would be astonished if he was a standout for you next season. Yeah, I would go along with that because Mullerwell is... I, I can't dress it up. I just have to say it what it is. They are a horrible football team to play against. They just... The, the type of players that Mullerwell have had in the past 18 months, and, I, and, I, and I'll ring them off, there's David Turnbull, who's turning out to be a bit... Yeah, hero with the Rangers fans right now. He is by far... In a way, the best player that Motherwell have um, rated at three point five million. Celtic had a bit accepted, and they rejected Celtic. Believe it or not, um, and I say believe it or not because Celtic have this divine right that everyone who they put a bid in for and the bids accepted, they will go to them. And he has shown massive balls by rejecting Celtic because he's shown that he wants a footballing career rather than the money. And I believe he's on the verge of signing for Norwich in the English Premier League, which was wow. a fantastic move for him. Three point five million for a team like Muller- Mullerwell. That that money will keep them going for years. So he was their best player. Their second best player was a probably a boy called Jake Hasty, who Rangers have just signed. Um we've tied him up in a pre contract agreement and he's arrived. He's started pre season on Monday with us. An exciting winger who by all accounts, you you guys at Oxford should be looking at Jake Hasty because Gerard is going to put him out in loan. That's the rumour. So if that's the case, if you have any pull within the Oxford hierarchy, I would urge you to try and make that one happen. Um, because well, I think I the friendly comes from um, Gerard and Robinson are good friends. So yeah, hopefully we'll, <laughs> we'll get kind of first refusal on that. If Jake, if you sign Jake Hasty on loan, he would be a fabulous signing for you. An absolute fabulous signing. I think he played 18, 19 games last season and got about six, seven goals. And then when he signed for Rangers, this is, this is how we're seen in this country. When he signed for Rangers, he was frozen out, essentially, um, and, and didn't play the last couple of games. The third best player... 
uh, was Chris Cadden. Um, an exciting winger. We'll take his man on. We'll get the ball in the box. Always causes you problems. Every game you play against them cause Rangers numerous amounts of problems. It does tend to go in and out of games, so you won't really see much of him. But when he gets the ball, it will make it will try and make something happen. Doesn't always happen for him. Um, we have a player like that just now, Daniel Candias, where three or four of his crosses will land to the intended target, where the remaining six or seven um, will will not. But at least he'll try. He'll try for you and he'll put a shift in for you. So I, I actually think it's a very good signing and I'm surprised because Aberdeen up here have just signed the Curtis Main, who was one of the strikers, uh, Motherwell strikers. Uh, I, I just a, a target man, a bit of a bully. A, a decent striker. Um, he doesn't have a decent scoring rate, I would say, but he, he, he does his job, what, what, what he's meant to do. Um, and if Aberdeen have signed Curtis Main, I would have fully expected that kind of move uh, for Chris Cadden, where it's it's a level up for him, but within the same division, if that makes sense. Yeah. But instead, he's he's taken a, a a great step forward and going to English League One, which, to be fair, as people in in Scotland, Scottish football fans will see that as a a step down. Certainly, Motherwell will, but it's really not because. Well, it's it's another one that hasn't been a done deal yet. We're just heavily linked to him. I think I think he's will get it over the line. I think it's as close to when I when I seen it. But in it terms of the other, sorry, it seems to be yeah. Yeah, the other guy. I'll be honest. I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue. I've never heard of him. Um, so it's fifty fifty really. It's a bit of a punt from you guys. Hope it works out for you, but don't be surprised if he's released in January or even before then. Um, in terms of next season for you guys. If Chris Cadden is a calibre of player that he's going for and you can get three or four more players at his, his level or his quality, in my view, um, James may differ from me, but in my view, you should really be looking to challenge for those playoff spots. I, I, I genuinely believe that. Um, I don't know if I'm way off the mark there. James, uh, is that fair? Uh, Considering the end of the season they had with the winning run they went on, they can take that momentum into the new season. They're adding good players. That's where I'm taking that. That's where I'm getting that kind of prediction from. I want to be nice because Liam's here, but my feeling is, I would, I would expect, and it wouldn't surprise me if you had a season which was exactly the same as what you had last time out. Um, and I say that only because I'm not. I've not seen much in the way of, of rumour in, in terms of transfer in, and it's not something that you've alluded to unless I'm, I'm missing something, Liam. Those kind of game-changing signings. Academy is a very, very good player, but I think he's a very good player at that kind of level. What, what I think you need in order to be pushing for playoff positions is those kind of signings that really make you stand up because think of the teams that you're going to be up against. You're going to be you're up against Sunderland, Portsmouth. Those are two teams right there who they really feel they should be playing at a higher level than what they are at the moment. Doncaster will be looking to improve, who might be going for Glenn Middleton, I don't know, as a as a possible loan option. And he'd be a very good player. He'd be he'd be another one if if you can speak to Carl Robinson and say in terms of in terms of wiggers Jake Hasty and Glenn Motherton. Oh, Chris, can you imagine that? They would win the league. They would Winners. win the league. Yeah, no, you, they would you, win the league. Those are the kind of moves you should be making, I think, at Oxford. <laughs> but if it's not those kind of moves that you're going for, then 
you mid. I, I don't think. Don't be looking over your shoulder or anything like that. But I, my feeling is probably mid table. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, I will. I will forward onto the people I know and just see see what happens. What what um, what's, what's your expectations, Liam? Uh, I would like to think playoffs. I think we had a few players last season who started the season needing experience and by the end of the season had had that sort of blooding that you need. Um, a, a few players on loan, a few young players. We had, we got a player called Gavin White from Republic of Ireland, or from Northern Ireland. Um, who oh, get those two mixed up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I changed it very quickly. Yes. <laughs> from Northern Ireland, especially with all Brexit going. Um, uh, yeah, he started a bit lightweight because he'd never played or hadn't played professional football for years. Um, almost straight away gets called up internationally. Um, fatigue hit him a few times throughout the season because he wasn't used to training every day and then games at the weekends. He was just used to turning up and doing the games and some light training. But he really is is an incredible player, and and he grew so much throughout the year. We got one of his one of his friends from from Northern Ireland across Mark Sykes, who again very lightweight at the beginning, but needed that that strength. Um, and we we had a few players like that. So hopefully that season has helped them come forwards. And then if we can get hold of players like um, like them, whether it's from um, Northern Ireland, Ireland, Scotland, wherever they're from. And um, sort of work them together as a as a team. If if we can find those sort of diamonds in in the rough, obviously I'm not saying Scottish football is the rough. No, no, no. If if you can find those players that work together really well as a team, then I I think that's uh, that's good because you know teams underestimate you then. And funnily enough, Portsmouth and and Sunderland, um, Sunderland were lucky to get draws from us this season. Um, Portsmouth we absolutely annihilated at home and, and somehow only, <laughs> only won by a goal I think in the end um, Barnsley we played really well against um, at home, we got battered away unfortunately but the bigger teams we actually did quite well against uh, it was when we were playing uh, the team who were bottom or you know they haven't won in 15 games and they're playing against us they'll beat us but it was <laughs> it was the top teams we were getting results against. So uh, hopefully we can learn from that. Hopefully, hopefully. What do you think, um, from your point of view, the kind of season Rangers will have this year? Uh, I think it'll it'll grow from from last season. Um, I think from an outsider point of view, uh, what were you nine points off top? Nine, um, yeah. I think. It, as an outsider, you would go narrow that gap, but obviously, it, it's down. It, if he's learned how to beat those teams who are parking the bus, then there's no reason you can't win it. Uh, especially as you you did beat the champions, you you outplayed them, you you outscored them over the four games, as you said. Um, so if you can replicate that whilst beating the teams that you struggled against at the beginning of last season, there's no reason you can't take top spot. But I think from an outsider point of view, nine points is a is a long way to make up. So I would say probably closer second. Would it <coughs> would it um if Rangers won the league this year, would it surprise a lot of people down south? Um <clears throat> I think it would make them 
um, automatically call for Gerard to come and manage in the Premiership. Um, yeah. I, and I think that's that's a lot of um, probably ignorant fans thinking. No, 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 no. Better than everything else. That's actually um, that's actually a massive compliment. Um, believe it or not, it really is because we historically. Um, don't lose managers to the English Premier League. I think Sunis is literally the only one. McLeish did go on to manage in the Premiership uh, with Birmingham. Advocat eventually went over to Sunderland, but it wasn't direct moves. Um, and I've always said, James, you, you can back me up on this, I've always said, if Steven Gerrard ends up at Liverpool or any other top-flight English team, it means he's done the job at Rangers that he was brought to do, and that is to win trophies. So it'd be bittersweet. Yeah, I'd be disappointed to lose him. I'd be unhappy to lose him. But it means that we've been successful because he's not going to get a big job down south on the back of a, a season like he just had at Rangers. Yeah, Derby were interested, but I think that was more to do with, oh, it worked with Lampard, so it might work with Gerrard. Um, I, I don't think he was kind of headhunted for that reason. But there's also the reason that Gerard is very, very committed to, to this project, I feel like. Um, he's said it many, many times. He has no interest in moving down south, albeit if Liverpool came calling, he would. If, I think that we all know that it's a, it's a very open secret and in some ways he has been groomed for the Liverpool job at Rangers and, and, and a lot of Rangers fans, if not all of them, accept that. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that he would leave us in the way Brendan Rodgers left Celtic I find it very hard to believe that Steven Gerrard would do that to us unless it was Liverpool but it is a massive compliment if a Premier League team did come calling and it does mean that he has done something right Yeah I think I think um, already he seems to have united Rangers with the, with the fans if you're saying they're playing better football that's a, a good place to be anyway um, and and he seems to be he's one of those he was that as a player and he seems it as a manager where he goes this is my job and this is what I do I won't have my head turned by every opportunity he could have gone anywhere in Europe really in his heyday as a player but yeah. no he waited until Liverpool said you're not you're not going to be playing for us anymore before he went over to America and just did uh, was it just the one season over there maybe two I think it was um, yeah no more and then he, he seems to be the same in management, where he's gone, oh, I'll, I'll be at Rangers until I've done what I, what I set out to do. Um, and I think that's, in, in today's game, that is so credible, because clubs will get rid of, rid of managers left, right and centre. So for the manager to be loyal towards anyone, or for a player to be loyal towards anyone, and not just follow a paycheck, I think is, is brilliant. And that's, that's got to be good to play under as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, from my point of view, I'll bring James in after myself, but from my point of view, there's so many factors this season. The first factor is Neil Lennon is the Celtic manager. Now, from an outsider's point of view, like yourself, Liam, you'll look at that and go, the guy has just won two trophies to complete our treble, and obviously Celtic have got the, the treble treble, which is, let's not dress it up, it's, it's, it is a great achievement, and Neil Lennon got the last two of that after Brendan Rodgers left. So, usual, we're all probably thinking that's a, a decent appointment, but 
the difference in Celtic since Brendan Rodgers left has been massive, and, and not in a good way. They have regressed so much. They they look done as a football team. They look as if they've came to the end, and in many ways they have. This is the biggest rebuilding job that Celtic have had to do in the last eight to ten years. Um, they have to bring in maybe five, six first-team players. They have numerous players leaving at a contract, numerous players leaving because it's the end of the loan spell. They possibly could lose one or two more. There's, there's, there's rumours that Kieran Tierney's been looked at down south and Callum McGregor, who's a very good player, and Brendan Rodgers seems to fancy uh, slapping a bid in for him at Leicester. And th- these are massive players for Celtic that... Can they replace them? I, I don't. I don't think they can. They lost Musa Dembele last year. I don't think they've they've replaced him directly. Yeah, they've got Odson Edward, who has has done well, but he's never never really fit enough to to get a consistent uh, run of games. And the reason the reason I'm giving you a a, a basic an in depth analysis of how Celtic are set up is because they haven't been in this position, whereas Rangers have a very settled team. We're three or four quality signings away from being favourites. And and that's not an exaggeration. Joe Aribo, if we get him over the line, that, that's that's a massive signing. If we manage to get Kent for another season, another massive signing. You're then talking one centre half and one left back and, and Rangers are ready to go. And, and I firmly believe that we will be favourites. And that is with... Alfredo Morelos staying as well. Alfredo Morelos is probably our biggest asset out with James Tavernier. It's 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 hard to tell who's a bigger asset out of two, but they're both ten million pound plus players, and that that is no exaggeration. And Morelos was highly touted to go in, in the summer, and everything's went quiet. So the quieter the better. And if we manage to keep him, that that, and if we manage to keep him on the field and he doesn't get sent off, that that that's. That would be massive for Rangers. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. And then you've also got Jermaine Defoe, who you'll know about. Um, Stephen Davis. We've, we've brought in uh, some squad players and Greg Stewart, Jordan Jones, and, and obviously Jake Casty, who I'd be very surprised if he plays any part. As I said, there's been rumoured that he is going out on loan. And then we've got, well, I try to practice this guy's name uh, earlier with James. I'll just call him Ojo. James will James will get his first name. James, is his first name? Shay? Shay? Shay Ojo. Who by all intents and purposes he's a very exciting signing from just the, the level that he's played at. Uh played down south the English Championship where he's done very well. He's got over ten appearances with Liverpool. We played with Ren last year in League One in France. So it's a it's a another great signing. So my thoughts get into this year is this this is the year. Last year I felt we probably might do it. And that was solely based on the fact that it was Steven Gerrard was the manager. It was based on nothing else because when I came to that conclusion we hadn't even signed a player. But this year, the way we finished the season and the players that we are bringing in, the players that Celtic are losing and the lack of player that they're bringing in, as I, as I mentioned earlier, David Turnbull from Motherwell, who's a fantastic player, 16, 17 goals last year on Motherwell, he knocked Celtic back. So Celtic are, Celtic are in, in, a, in a bad place at the moment and I think they're going to be feeling the heat. I really do believe that and I, I believe we can push them all the way, if not actually have the title wrapped up by March, April. And, and that's a bold thing to say, especially when Celtic are going for nine titles in a row. But 
I genuinely believe we have the better football, in, uh, the the better football inside now. I, I I do believe that. This isn't this isn't me just um coming out with a hopeful statement. It's a genuine belief on on the evidence that that on the play of evidence of the last three four months of the season. Celtic have went back the way. We've went forward. We're adding quality to the squad, and they're losing quality from their squad. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I'm probably the most excited I've been since we've came back up the divisions. Uh, and, and I'm sure that's shared by many other Rangers fans. And I'm sure, James, you share similar thoughts to, to myself. So the big thing that is important to say, first and foremost, is we can only take care of what we can control. This oh, absolutely. Any, yeah. This is any other football club. Um, I I believe, you know, something that, something that Liam referred to was, you know, can, can we start to win those games that we've dropped points in previous seasons. Absolutely we can because I think our recruitment is getting better. I think our, our style of play is getting better in the sense that we have different plans. We've we've had managers um that have said, you know, we do plan A and if plan A's not working, we just do plan A better. Enjoy Mark Warburton, QPR fans. Um, you know, we've <laughs> we've we've had to deal we've had to deal with that in the past, but I feel that now we have options and we have good players. So you know, we we're the kind of we're in the kind of position where we can win a lot more games this season than what we've done in previous seasons. And on top of that, the team that we need to topple, they are regressing. They, you know, they're they're not. By now, they should have recruited one or two players that should have got us worried, and they've not done that. Who knows what happens the rest of the transfer window, but. There's there's no evidence of that. They seem to they seem to have their minds on other matters. Not that I would bring anything like that up, but you know they they are they've not been in this position where they're being questioned and they're and they're being criticised and they don't like it, which seems weird for a, a group of supporters who like to be persecuted, but they they don't they they're not used to being in this position. There are some fans there who will be about kind of eighteen or seventeen who only know success for them. And if they've got the pressure on them, there's every chance that they could completely crumble under that. And what you then need is a manager who is able to handle that. Neil Lennon is not that kind of person. He cannot deal with that. His go-to point is to play the victim card. And that bodes very, very well for us. So I echo what Chris says. It's one of the most exciting seasons that Rangers will had for a very long time and I'm, I'm very hopeful that, that that we can do it and as I said before it's going to be one hell of a party which will all kick off very soon when we play Oxford yes yes great segue there James great segue so <laughs> smooth yes hi. so Rangers yes, will... <laughs> sorry James what did you say I've done this a while now I'm used to it Oh, right, no, that's true, that's true, yeah. Um, nothing like blowing your own trumpet. <laughs> um, so Rangers will be playing Oxford United um, at Ibrox. Um, I've not actually written the date down. No, it's very unprofessional. Evan. There we go, there we go. I knew one of you guys would bail me out. <laughs> and Liam, you are coming up for the game, I believe, yep. Absolutely, yeah, can't wait. So what can we expect from Oxford? Because it's, it's a funny one. I think Gerard is going to play a mixture of youth, new signings, and maybe one or two established stars. I don't think you're going to see a full strength Rangers. I think you will see 
a lot of substitutes made, so you will see some of the star players like Defoe, Davis, Morelos, Tavernier. Um, whether they guys start, I highly doubt it. I think, as I said, the team you will see starting will not be the team. Uh, the team, the team that will start against Oxford, will, the, the, those eleven players will never start in the season at any point in the upcoming season, if that makes sense. Um, so it's not that we're not going to be taking it seriously. It's just we have potentially twelve games in the space of what six weeks in Europe, where that's our priority. So it's all about bedding players in and getting them minutes at our. A, a reasonable kind of timeline. It'd be foolish to play your James Taverniers for 90 minutes against Oxford. So it's not that we're disrespecting you anyway. I'm just kind of trying to set your set your expectations um, at a reasonable level. Uh, well, to be honest, I saw um, I saw Defoe back when he was sort of 17, 18, playing for Bournemouth um, on loan at the time. And we went, oh, apparently he's meant to be pretty good. And he scored a hat-trick and absolutely dominated the game. So <laughs> I'll be happy not to play him. <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's twice the age now. <laughs> um, yes, so I think, well, it depends. We have a good development side. Um, but we, Robinson said he wanted to get five or six players in by the end of the week. Um, and we are now on Wednesday and it seems like a couple of them are over the line and not yet announced, but it could be that they're not even close to being done. So it depends what players we get in. Um, I think uh, you'll you'll see a lot of tinkering throughout the game. Yeah. Um, I think it, it will be a standard sort of pre-season. Let's get everyone to get some minutes if, if they can. If it's a, a set, oh, we're only allowed a certain amount of subs, then, then that'll be that. But... It wouldn't surprise me if if we end up with with a, a huge bench and try and get everyone on the pitch to to get them playing something. Um, even even if it's you know playing at Ibrox is a is a huge deal. It's a, a big stadium. It's a, a huge club, um, and it sets people up for the season. So I think it might just be a bit of a a, a scrappy one in terms of tactics and who plays. Um, but speaking. Uh, as a, a purely as a fan, um, the the season we went up from League Two, it all it all started with a um, a trip to Austria, where a few fans got wind of the fact that there was going to be a game there, um, and so we ended up with a few hundred fans out in Austria who made an incredible atmosphere and and made the the players realise actually we've got something to play for here it's got a good fan base and and there's a great atmosphere there's a great uh, feel in the club and then the next year we went to um, Spain uh, I think that was the next year um, and yeah I, it's become a bit of a like what are we doing this year and and a week opened up in in Glasgow looks as if that's the equivalent so I think I think we're all just looking up uh, looking forward to getting getting up there, seeing some football and, and making a lot of noise um, and, and, yeah, get, getting that away day feel. How many are you bringing up? Uh, I'm not sure. I saw um, when they went on general sale, we had already sold 250. Uh, I don't know how many we've sold since then. Uh, the it, So many people ask on Twitter how many have we sold that the club have realised that a lot of us are just winding up the, the lady who does the Twitter account <laughs> now. Oh. So uh, I don't have an exact figure, but it will be, yeah, a fair few hundred 
Um, when we went to Carlisle in our promotion season, we took 2,300. I doubt we'll take that many, but with it being a bit of a party, um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we, if we made 1,000. No, that's, that's, that'd be brilliant. That would be absolutely brilliant. And have you ever been to Ibrox before? I haven't. I'm really excited. Yeah. What What are you expecting? Just Just in your head. Um. I I don't know really. We played Middlesbrough away in the um in the FA Cup a few years back, and that was a cracking game. Uh, it's always nice to go to these sort of bigger stadiums. But then in in the last few years, we've we played Sunderland obviously last season, Bolton the season before, and and will be again this season. Like some of those big clubs are coming down, so we. It's not too alien playing at those bigger stadiums, but it's another nice stadium to add to the list. Um, sure. And and Rangers are a huge club that have done some some great things in their history and and are competing at the right right place now. So yeah, um, sure. and sort of famous for having good fans as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that that's uh, very very kindy, very kind. James, what what kind of game are you expecting? Uh, I'll, I'll get to the second. I, I like I like the trajectory of of preseason for for Oxford though the the lovely Austrian Alps. Yes. And then yes. <laughs> off the Del Sol, and then the River Clyde. You know? <laughs> I like the way that that's gone there. Um, I think it will be it will be your typical preseason game. I I think there'll be excitement over new signings for both clubs. Um, Waiting, waiting to see how it goes. The scoreline will be fairly irrelevant, uh, I, I, I would imagine. Although, you know, you will still get a number of Rangers fans if we don't win that game. That will be, oh, for goodness' sake! Oh, right, this the season's done. The season's done. It's a goner. It's a goner. It's no good happen. Yeah, uh, you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, out and all that. So, so there, there is always that risk. But no, I, I think it's going to be good fun and a good omen for for Liam to, to finish on our first preseason game last season was against Berry, and Berry got promoted. There we go, yeah. Brilliant that, brilliant that. Well, let me round it off with a score prediction. Liam? <laughs> uh, I reckon... Uh, do I be positive or do I be realistic? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say two all. It's bold, James. Eight four. Let's have fun. Yes. <laughs> For um, Rangers, obviously. <laughs> um, tough one. I am going to say, uh, based on not seeing much or if anything of Oxford, uh, purely based on where he's finished last year, the league you were in, the momentum that we've got building within the, the, the club at the moment, I'm going to say 4-1 Rangers. So potential to have egg on my face there. What was the score against? <laughs> what was the score against Barry James? Five 0 six 0 It was like six six nil or so, six nil six one or something like that. Yeah. I just remember Catty scored like a thirty five yarder. Then I get all excited that well we've got a defender that scores a thirty five yarder, but he never done it again. He scored goals, <laughs> just not from thirty five yards. Um, just to round it off, Liam, thank you very much, obviously. Um for coming on and speaking to us uh, and obviously this is going to be going out on the Defence End podcast as well um, which I was more than happy to do with yourself and James I'm sure you were more than happy to do it you weren't you weren't brought on this against your will at all were you? When will you set me free Chris? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
great fun. It's been great fun. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really insightful from 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 Liam's yes. point of view. That's yes, awesome. it has. It has. Uh, Thank you very much for having me as well. No, no, no worries. Liam, you are going to be coming on the very famous Heart and Hand post-match pod, which uh, takes place immediately after our Rangers game, and that will be the Rangers-Oxford game. You're going to come and do that with us after the full-time whistle, I believe, yep? Yes, I'll warn you now, if somehow Oxford win, I will not have a voice. If That's we lose, right. I'm all right, but if we win, the, the cheering just... I, I have nothing to... <laughs> Nothing to make any noise. Um, yeah, no, no worries. If if you're a if you're a bad loser of sorts, I'm not saying yeah. Obviously, I don't know if you are or not. But if you're a bad loser and you take football results really personally, which 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 I do to be honest, but um, and it's very obvious to our boss, who is David Edgar, the the main man in this site, because that's who will be hosting the post match uh, pod. If that's very obvious that you're a bad loser, he is going to make your life absolute hell. Excellent. So yeah. Yeah, so just be careful what you've agreed to there. So I really look forward to I really look forward to meeting you. Actually, it, it should be good fun. Um, and as I say, thanks again, and thanks to yourself, James. And thank you. And if there's anyone uh, listening to this on the Fence End podcast and who maybe fancies getting a bit more kind of insight into all things Rangers as well as many many other things, then please consider uh, subscribing to our Patreon site at Heart and Hand. It's just Heart and Hand on Patreon. We have loads of shows that are related to football, both Rangers, domestic, English football. We've got an excellent uh, EPL show called When the Seagulls Follow the Trawler, which um, that might appeal to, to some, of, some of you if you certainly follow the Premier League. European football, Champions League shows, uh, and shows on The Simpsons, on wrestling, on golf, you name it, the chances are we have a podcast on it. So please feel free to sign up a Patreon. You won't regret it. And this, this pod actually um, ended up 17th out of the top 100 pods in the UK, didn't it? It did. Oh, we didn't, didn't mention that, but you know, yeah. yeah just, it did. I thought I would bring it up. It wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't out of the top 100. We were 17th in the whole of the UK. Um, so it was more than 100. So we were very, very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. Um, and the actually... second sporting one, wasn't it? Right, oh, come on. Like, you're embarrassing us now. You're embarrassing <laughs> where, where can we find uh, on uh, the Fence End podcast? Um, you can find it if you follow on Twitter. Um, and then we just put it up through SoundCloud. Um, obviously, if we reach sort of championship, premiership, we might come up with a more sort of professional format. But it all started uh, in pub gardens, <laughs> so um, we've come not, a long way since then. But not dissimilar, not dissimilar to Heart and Hand. Heart and Hand started in a kitchen table. Oh, excellent! Uh, yeah, you know, um, we've been going two and a half years. You guys are a decade, aren't you now? Yeah, yeah. Um, me and James are. We're not new, but we are, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. we, we've been doing it for the best part of a year. Uh, we, it, it was essentially just done by four or five guys, and it's grown to over 20 poddles with four shows going out a day. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been quite a, an incredible journey, so hopefully you guys can get to that level as well. Um, but there, there is a certain element of the team needs to be very successful as well for the interest to peak for, for certain people um, so I, I do get that that if you get to championship or even beyond your wildest dreams somehow 
in the next five, ten years get to Premier League, then then you will see your podcast just explode. I don't have any doubt about that, but I wish you all the best of luck in it. Oh, thanks very much. Well, we'll be playing you in Europe in the next ten years. Let's say that. <laughs> yes, yeah, let's be positive. Let's be positive. But no, thanks again. Um, and you will hear from Liam, myself, and possibly even James in the post-match analysis after Oxford play Rangers at Ibrox. So thanks again. So that was the podcast with the Rangers fans. Uh, I look forward to going back on there to talk about the uh, the analysis from the game. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.